You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. I get the feeling that today's guest never expected to be talking about what it's like to scale a business into seven and eight figures. But Jan Cavell has done just that. From a start that was more about survival than scalability, she's here to share her story with us today, including what it's like to burn out along the way in a time when burnout wasn't even a recognised condition, and what the rewards of taking on the recurring challenges of entrepreneurship really are. The entrepreneurial habit is strong, and for someone who's been at it as long as Jan, it's probably not truly possible to stop. So we'll also hear about what Jan does to keep herself occupied in semi-retirement and how she's developed her passion for writing by sharing inspirational stories from entrepreneurs who've trod the paths and achieved what most only dream of. Jan, thank you so much for joining me today. I am very much looking forward to this conversation because you are a woman of many talents and much experience. Um, (laughs) Not all good. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, do you know what? That's a really interesting place to start. Let's just jump in here and let's start. Let's let's go back in time a little bit and let's look at how you started. Um, I understand you took matters into your own hands and started your business at your kitchen table, but have since scaled massively. So could we just kind of get a a picture of what it is that you thought was going to happen then um, (laughs) and how that actually evolved? Of course we can. I mean, I I started a variety of self-employed type businesses, either on my own or with a friend, just to bring some money in from time to time. The point you're talking about I was when I found myself on my own with my children after a split with my ex, and I had zero cash. Um, the choice was go out to work or, um, you know, stay in, look after the kids, be with the kids, which they needed if they were only young still, and try and work for myself and, and have some sort of business to initially put food on the table, you know, and... This is going back such a long while. I mean, I didn't know the word entrepreneur. I certainly didn't know the the word scale. Uh, I had no idea of growing a business because, you know, I thought I'd be lucky to survive till next week. Mm. You know, so it really was. It was completely hand-to-mouth in the beginning. I started doing what I saw the only thing I could do, which was selling on the phone while I looked after the kids, you know, and buying stuff in and selling it out again. Mm. you know which made sense to me but, uh you know I, I, as you rightly say i worked on on the kitchen table on a sh- shelf under the stairs and uh you know just just literally i had to, you know it was pre-computer days so i had to buy you know the old yellow pages um you know when my social security check came in mm you know, and get listings of people to sell to that way and, and just get on the phone and sell, sell, sell. And, you know, it was, it was a debate on a Friday, you know, can can I go on another week? So it was a long way off having a proper business base for quite a time. So I'm wondering, I'm curious about what it is that made you stick with it 
What was the thought that you had that got you to keep going? Combination of the children, I think, and if you'll excuse my French bloody-mindedness. Um, but, you know, I am, if nothing else, stubborn. And, you know, and I didn't want to leave them. I didn't want to go out. So I was stabbed if I was going to, but it, it did look very touch and go. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can understand that. So those, what was the first sense that you had that this might actually work? What was the confidence builder that gave you, uh, I guess, a bit more um, courage and a bit more confidence in that? I think probably the moment one Friday where I'd actually come to the decision. I had somebody working, one person working for me, doing bits and pieces and sending stuff out. And, you know, he, he was a good friend. He was helping out sort of part time as well. And I had said to him, I said, you know, we can't, this is it, this is the end of the road. I spoke to an advisor, you know, about whether I needed to do anything to wind it up, which I didn't. Went to bed thinking, no, well, you know, this is just what I didn't need to happen. And as I said, I was working on an old fax and phone, which, and and the where it came in was directly below, below my bedroom. And as I woke up the next day, I heard a rare event of the fax going, and there was an order there. Um, and it wasn't my first order, but it had got to such a pitch of we can't go on. Then suddenly there was this opportunity to go on again. And somehow that said, right, we've turned the corner. I mean, enough's enough. We're going to go on with this thing and make it work. Mm. And and from there then, because you're um, obviously you've, you've scaled a lot in the interim. What would you say was... What did you need in order to start thinking bigger, in order to actually take that from under the stairs to where you eventually got to? Of course. A bit I like mean, Harry Potter, a, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you saw the old barn, we used to have a corner of an old barn, to be accurate. It was, it was very uh, wizard-like. But, um, I mean, it was a gradual process in the the early years, very much so, partly because of the children, partly because, as far as I was concerned, I was doing what I wanted to do. I mean, there wasn't a long-term plan, but we had an income, which was pretty damn exciting. And uh, it was only slowly, slowly it got up. You know, we needed a bit more space, so we had to get a bigger bit of a barn or actually some pigsties. I'm so glamorous (laughs) were we, Um, you know, but they worked really well as a a long unit. Um, And, uh, you know, then there were two people working there and just, you know, it's slowly inched as these things can do. And then it was uh, a bizarre thing. I mean, I was about seven years in, maybe six years in, and by which time I was buying everything from, or or 90% of the stuff from one particular company and another small company, sort of artisans. And the man who owned it came to me on a Friday afternoon and said, rang the doorbell said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, he was in a real state. He said, I'm sorry, I've just had enough. I can't run a business anymore. I've got to give up. And I said, okay, well, you know, we'll work something out. And he said, no, I mean, I'm stopping now. And I went, right. what? <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> what about my supply? 
and you know so so i mean i i'd had a massive panic and i thought for a while should you know it, at the back of my mind would it be crazy to to go in for making it all myself but you know it was it was only a smidgen of a sword but there was the opportunity standing literally on my doorstep and and him desperately wanting to get rid of his responsibilities mm. and of course that's the best way you can ever acquire Another business is is just when somebody wants out. So we agreed a deal that suited us both, which meant he could get out that day, and I didn't have to pay for a long time. Um, so uh, you know, everybody was happy, everybody and was happy, you know, yeah. then it became this bigger entity with two small businesses that I needed to run, and just on a practical basis, that meant. A complete change of everything, really. You know, much more responsibility. On practical terms, it meant putting it onto one roof, so a bigger unit, which meant proper leases and well, all sorts of scary things. Well, you know, just as you're talking here, it's, it sounds like you're taking on a lot as you are growing and developing this. And I, I'm wondering, because this was obviously a very analog world, a very kind of everything was mm. practical. It was bricks and mortar. It was a lot of outlay and so on. What was the, uh, apart from making an income and as, assuming that you're, you know, increasing that as you're going, what was the actual personal reward that you're getting as you're going along that journey? It's a really interesting question. Um, I mean, I think it, it was creating a life. It was gradually starting to earn me more um, which meant I could do more for the children than just feed them, which was handy uh, because they were growing and needed more. <laughs> um, and but there was a feeling, or oh, it was it was tremendous fun actually at that stage. You know, startups often are, um, and it was just a wonderful life and this feeling of achievement. And and for me, who hadn't really done anything very serious with my life. You know, it was this feeling that I was creating something, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs feel, and it's it's immensely exciting and immensely satisfying to do that, and it's one of the reasons. But I always say to people, you know, you should consider. It's not for everybody, but do consider having a business because it, it just is enormously satisfying to create something. Mm. And that's, that's a really good point, isn't it? You know, this idea that 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 drive that we have and that need to create and that becomes a form of self-fulfillment, which yes, I, I mean, I consider self-fulfillment um, a strong element of self-care. But obviously your colleague who turned up on the doorstep wanting out had not found it to be the same experience. Um, and I suppose this brings us very much to that management of the the kind of ecosystem of our lives and how people can avoid crashing on the way up. Absolutely. And, you know, I certainly, after, over the years, it all caught up with me. I mean, I've worked stupid hours and um, didn't look after myself. You know, we were spent, you know, phenomenal amounts of time down the pub and, um, you know, generally did all the things you shouldn't do. Um, and But had a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, there came a time, I guess, when the kids were very much 
mid mid teens they were needing extra long hours on pickups and you know we, which meant no fun because you had to be on alert to collect them after drama and one thing and another um, when you start the taxi you know, firm <laughs> well absolutely you know, any parent knows it well um you know so late night taxis still the hard work the early hours um and it started being it, well, in essence, I mean, I was at the time I was diagnosed with depression. Looking back, I think it was burnout, which of course wasn't diagnosed at that point. Um, you know, it's uh, I think it was too, it's latest 2019 burnout was actually recognised as a medical diagnosis. I think, but you know, I did. I just slowed, slowed, and slowed. Got more and more foggy and went pretty well catatonic. Um, yeah, you know, so it, it happens. And that's, you know, from somebody who for many years absolutely adored their business, loved it. Yeah, it's it's like a death by a thousand cuts, isn't it? It's not something mm. we even recognize as it's happening. It's only when you get to that stage and almost when you're looking back, you, you just don't know what's happened, how you got there. You sort of no. wonder, is life just like this? Very much so. It's it's a real blur. It was a real blur. You know, I remember the moment that I came to a halt. But what happened before then, I had no idea. You know, just that I was always tired, always rushing. Um, mm. You know, but what what actually was the? In fact, I don't know what was the, the push because you know I was actually having a nice chat with two of the boys who worked for me, and I remember saying, "I've got to go now," and finding myself sort of halfway down the road, parked in a labour. Yeah, yeah. That is definitely one of those defining moments, I think, of life, isn't it? Um, when you realise that enough is enough and we are not machines, that we have to actually look uh, look to the bigger picture of what life is. It's not just work, is it? No, I mean, I, I, it took me several more years to realise that, you know, I, I, the boys who worked for me propped me up through that one, you know, with the expectation because it wasn't recognised, any of this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she's a bit tired of, you know, maybe she's got depression apparently, you know, we'll look after her for a few months and then she'll hurry up and get better, you know. So so you did, you pulled yourself together and got back to it. And, of course, it, it, it went on taking its toll. Um, went on, it recurred once more, not as badly. And, you know, finally it just got to the stage when the kids had left home. I just, uh, by that time, there was no reason for me in many ways for the business. Uh, and I just ended up hating it, you know, as mm. many people with burnout do. You know, they're just fishing one more day doing it is it's just horrendous. And in the end, I walked away. Absolutely couldn't do it anymore. You know, after after so many years of of success, awards, happiness, you know, and everything is crazy, isn't it? But you've got to get out when you first find it doesn't work, or got to make major adjustments. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I'm I'm just gathering from what you're saying there that you had done your scaling, you had you know yeah. created the massive businesses and the big success, and then that I guess was somehow tarnished by the. Um, by the way it ended is is it something you look back on fondly now or is is that still a um a veil on it yeah i mean undoubtedly yes i do you know i wish i'd had the sense to get out earlier um you know but um up to a certain point i had a fantastic life and i'll be for what forever grateful for what i was able to do um for the kids and i had amazing opportunities as you do as you sort of get a bit known on the circuit you know what it's like 
and and yeah, lots of lots of amazing life. Five years of probably approximately of living out, but you mm. know. We mm. all go through things like that. Now, you don't sound like the sort of woman, Jan, who um, kind of sits back much as it is. Um, <laughs> so I know it says you're semi-retired. So what are you doing with the un-semi-retired bit? <laughs> oh, I don't know how to put this, honestly, um, you know, because you're quite right. I mean, I, I thought after that and I was absolutely exhausted and I thought, you know, OK, I'm not far off retirement age, you know, so I've got to stop. And, you know, that lasted only a few weeks. But the thing I really missed most of all was writing because I got into writing as a stress reliever. Always wanted to do it ever since I was a child. And so I'd taken to writing articles for a digital publication. And luckily I had the sense to think, you know, I am too long in my tooth and I am too burnt out. I can't and have no wish to start another business. I've, I've been there, you know. Got a T-shirt and, um, you know, very grateful for it. But now it's time for something else. So so writing, I thought, and I started writing more articles and then got into writing a book, which I'm lucky enough to have had published. Um, hopefully trying another one, but I'll tell you about that in a couple of months' time when I'm slightly saner about it. <laughs> so, yeah, I still write ridiculous hours, but, it, you know, I could get in my car and walk away tomorrow without any obligation, which is wonderful. So the book that you have written, the first book is called Scale to Success. So what, Scale to success, yeah. what is the, well, I mean, apart from, the title seems to say it all, but what would I find if I went and picked that up today? You would find, I, what I wanted to do, we were talking about, before we went live, we were talking about good groups and, and how they could affect us all in very positive ways. And I'd experienced that um, with one particular group and, and finally found the huge benefit that can come from that sort of peer learning feel. And I wanted to stick to see if that could be remotely achieved in book form. Mm. So uh, I put together this, this book, which contains input from 30 entrepreneurs across the globe, but talking about their experiences and how that relates to scaling. So, you know, they might be talking the strategy, but very much geared into, you know, explaining their life and their business career and and demonstrating that point in the way we do when we talk about it, you know, to, to, to within a peer group. Mm, so it's all um, that inspiration that comes from those experiences. Of, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Excellent. I you know, I was so inspired. They're such an amazing group of people. I was so lucky, um, you know, to to have them. And you know, it. I mean, I didn't think it would even get published. You know, when I started, and then I got so inspired by them all. You know, I thought, my goodness, I'm going to have to try and do this properly. <laughs> Help! <laughs> so I had to learn how to pitch to a publisher and all that. But, um, but you know, it really took wings and, you know, just before Christmas we had um, one of the um, VCs from the book actually put on a summit online and about, you know, sort of two-thirds of the people from all over the world turned up and talked and, you know, people can still download that and listen to the contributors, you know, and I just listened for the day and, Thought, so, you know, I don't believe these people. They're just so amazing, you know. Could you could you pick a favourite or is this like your kids? You can't really pick one. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I mean I think, you know, it's possibly some more than others, but um Well okay, you know, so but... let's 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 do it slightly differently. Let's think um if you were 
talking to um, somebody who was thinking, right, okay, should I start a business or should I not start a business? And you were going to, like like a wine taster, you were going to pick the perfect story for for them. Which one would you pick? Oh, wow. That, that's a, not a good question. Um, oh, I mean, I think... I mean, I, I've, there's a guy who called an Australian um, called um, it's so difficult to choose, but let's go with this one called James Bartle, who runs a fashion label called Zeitman Denim. Now he started because he watched, as uh, I'm sure some of your viewers will know, you may have seen it as well. Do you know the Liam Neeson film Taken? Or, oh yes, or became a series. <laughs> very special skill set. Uh, well, indeed. <laughs> Um, but, you know, he, it, he'd he never come across anything like that. And he thought, you know, he couldn't believe that, um, you know, that sort of child slavery and actually stealing young girls could exist. And he investigated it. And that all spun out that, you know, he went to Cambodia, I think it was, um, and I should remember, but um, I'm sure it's Cambodia, uh, and saw and analysed what was going on that was causing it and found women that, you know, were used virtually as slaves because they'd had to sell everything to survive and they never mm. could pay back money. And he vowed to set up a business that would actually try and get these people out of poverty, not just pay them, but help educate them and teach them so that they could gradually, I mean, they, you know, many of his staff have gone on to build homes of their own and, you know, just incredible things. And it took him five years to actually set this business up to investigate what would be sustainable because he's very... He's very involved with changing the fashion industry to something sustainable and kind and good to the planet. To, and he needed to find something to do that was going to have an impact on these people and do the research. And he was doing all sorts like selling sausages and um, cooking sausages and selling them, you know, to survive for those five years. But he was so determined to make a difference. But that's what he did. And he's now a big international figure in the States or Australia particularly. That's amazing. You know, and, and huge impact on the world and the fashion industry in particular. You know, I mean, wow. All from a film and selling sausages. You know, that's what entrepreneurship does. Yeah, yeah. Entrepreneurship as a vehicle for changing the world. Mm. That yeah. is a beautiful idea. <laughs> Um, Jan, we are actually right on time here. Believe it or not, I think we have been super efficient in the amount of stuff that we've covered in that time. Um, and I want to say thank you for for taking the time today to have this conversation with me. It has been an absolute pleasure. I have learned a lot from you and uh, I'm really pleased to have had the time to do this. My absolute pleasure too. It's been lovely, really nice. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines, and I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 